0: Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans for fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. Hi, Brewer fans. Welcome back to the Brew Crew Review Podcast. Joining me today is Scott and Vince. My name's Craig. How are you guys doing?
1: Hey, guys. Doing well, Craig. Doing well, Scotty. How about that for a Brewers win today? That's a pretty amazing game as we taped this on Sunday.
2: Yeah, we're doing
0: awesome. So, I was going to start off by saying if there were any of our listeners that have been on the rock for the last week, if they wanted the good news or the bad news first. Um, But I guess you guys already let the good news out of (laughs) the bag. The Brewers Today against St. Louis, won the series 2-1. to It um, begins once with uh, a ninth inning, top of the ninth inning, two outs, three-two, pitch to Ryan Braun that was a grand slam to give him the lead, and they held on to the win. Uh, Braun's home run actually also set the Brewer single-season home run record for this season. Uh, that particular home run was a very nice way to do it. Um, and on the week, the Brewers went 6-1 and one and are currently just a game back of the wild card. So all, that all well and good. But before we kind of uh, go into that more, I should probably get to the bad news. Uh, Scott, was there anything uh, negative that happened this week besides that one loss?
2: Um, <clears throat> well, I guess if we were good at editing, we'd probably be playing bagpipes here or something like that. But, um We are gathered here today to mourn the um, injury to Mr. Yelich. He will be missed. Yeah. He's out for the year. Devastating news.
0: Yeah. So such an unfortunate injury where he fouled a ball off his kneecap and has broken kneecap and unfortunately is out for the year. I guess the silver lining of any that, The good news is it shouldn't be a – apparently it's not even going to require surgery, but it'll take about an eight-week recovery period. And uh, he should be good to go next year, and hopefully, supposedly, there should be no long-term effects on it, which is good. Fortunately it did end early, a potential, in my opinion, possibly the greatest birth season offensively of all time. He ended with, I believe, an exactly – 1,100 OPS, which is far and away the best brewer OPS season of all time, of qualifying one. So, with that being said, um, he also became this is the third Brewer to be a 30-30 player behind Tommy Harper. I believe Brian Braun did it twice. Um, Six of I believe did it once, and Christian joined them in the 30-30 club. In fact, he was on pace or had an outside chance to become the first player in major league history to have a 50 homer 30 steal season but unfortunately uh spurs won't get to see him possibly. yeah and i be- yeah
1: no, sorry dinner yeah no go that ahead. was amazing what he was able to do this season and i think that he got his last three stolen bases of the year in one uh, series against the, or not just series, but in one, um, the one the like, Faraday and batter, yeah, like like yeah, in one game against Chicago, which was incredible. So I believe that those were his last three stolen bases of the year to get him um, past the thirty mark. But what an incredible season from Christian Yelich! And you know, we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast earlier, but um, I still think that Christian Yelich has an outside chance at winning the National League Most Valuable Player award for the second consecutive year. Um, others are obviously having. Great years as well, and I don't know if the voters are going to hold the fact that he's going to miss essentially the last three and a half weeks of the season against him, but um, certainly in terms of pure numbers, uh, Christian Yelich should be right there in the discussion, and he will have enough at-bats, it looks like, to qualify um, for things like the batting title, so I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on Christian Yelich's potential, um, you, potentially winning the, the Nationally Most Valuable Player Award for the second year in a row.
2: I hate to say it, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to wind up going to Bellinger. I guess I know Rendon's been getting a little bit of a buzz lately, but I don't, I don't know. I guess it's, he has an outside chance, but um, I think this, unfortunately, despite the fact that um, uh, it was actually probably, yeah, one of the top 10 seasons of any player in baseball history, uh, if he were, had the opportunity to finish it out. um, It's just, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for the team because obviously, um, you know, he, he's so, so important to this team. And, um, you know, it's just – it's even more frustrating because, I mean, this we were watching something special this year, and to see it cut short was uh, very disappointing. I mean, what an unbelievable year for the guy.
0: Yes, absolutely. And um, depending on if other guys cool off, he could still end up winning the second consecutive NL batting title – he had a 3.30 average, but uh, I believe uh, Trent Grisham finished off of that bat with strikeouts, strikeout, so it actually gets credited to him, and so his average went down to a, a 3.29 notice. But anyway, so that's what he'll finish with. Still just an incredible season. Um, his number's pretty much on par, probably even better than last season's MVP season. So how do you replace a guy like that in the lineup uh, in the last few weeks of a playoff push? Well, the simple answer is just you can't um but with that being said um we are getting a few guys back from injury Mike Moustakis because i here I hope he's back already ready to kick off his next homestand against Padres and uh, Pirates but uh I guess what are your overall thoughts on what the Brewers need to do to rally behind this injury and who needs to step up
1: I mean, they're already doing it, right? The Christian Yelich at the time of this taping has already been out for uh, four or five games at this point, and the Brewers continue to find ways to win. So I I think that the team just needs to continue to do what they're doing. You know, We're getting contributions from a lot of different guys at this point. Um, It was great to see a veteran like Ryan Braun step up, and I think he was one of the guys that we identified as being key to the Brewers uh, uh, if they are going to be a successful team here in September, and he has certainly stepped up in a big way. recently and certainly today with his grand slam as well. But um, I think that Jordan Lyles is another name that we need to, to be focused on. He's a guy who's really stepped up in the second half. And, um, you know, even guys like Drew Pomeran's other guys in the bullpen have been pretty lights out. Um, we need Josh Hader to continue to be as dominant to get gone. I think it was 17 appearances without giving up a run. Uh, I might be off on that, Scott. You can have the interns check that out. But um, until today, he did give up the home run against the Cardinals. But if he can continue to be as dominant as he has been in the last month, um, that would be, I think, an essential ingredient. I um, guess Mike Grandal needs to keep hitting it. And it's great to get contributions from guys coming off of the disabled list, guys like Mike Moustakis, who stepped uh, back on the field. And I think in his second game back in his first game as a starter, he had two home runs. Um, and he's been playing well in the last uh, four or five games. And we'll see if uh, hopefully Keston Hira is on his way back from injury and Brandon Woodruff has been throwing more um, bullpen sessions. So to get guys like that uh, back uh, into the fold with the Brewers on the field will be, I think, pretty, pretty important. And and we should point out that guys like uh, Grisham and even Tyrone Taylor to a degree and Tyler Austin, guys like that have really stepped up and, been able to, to fill in admirably, at least uh, down the stretch the last last couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, Grisham uh, really setting the tone at the at the top of the order. I mean, he's doing some really great things, and I know um, you know obviously Kane's been been bumped occasionally now. Um, you know, uh, probably around the sixth spot in the order, I want to say, but um, Grisham is really set up. It's been um, very very exciting to see that, and I really did not expect it. I think he's got about a three. 40 on base percentage which is really what you're looking for at the top of the order like that um it's absolutely phenomenal and also um i did want to say when it comes to brandon woodruff um our inside source tom carter gave me some good news today so um wanted to share that with everybody well
1: well, two two things on that scott number one please go ahead and share but we should also throw out the caveat that i think was you who on our last episode mentioned that we're not supposed to say Tom Carter's name on the air. Something about the fact that he's our anonymous source. Or, I don't know, I know what you guys, you guys were talking about it, but you said, don't say Tom Carter's name on the air. So because of that, I kind of researched what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to say either Tom C or T Carter, but not Tom Carter uh, because he's our anonymous source. So anyways, carry on.
2: No, totally. I totally know that. But um, in this case, I really wanted to give him credit because this is big news. Uh, Brandon, I wonder if it's going to be back this week so
1: pretty exciting eh? wow that is yeah. that is that is a good scoop um didn't hear that from our colleague Tom it's nice to nice to hear our anonymous source tom carter coming through again with news that's, that's amazing that'd be great yeah. and woodruff of course such a key contributor for the brewers from the beginning of the season through july it would be great to get that arm back well, yeah, uh, absolutely
0: there's another one of our – it's not our sources, but I guess, unfortunately, Brewer fan sources. He doesn't really have that much inside information. He doesn't seem to know all that much about the Brewers, but, um, but I'm not going to mention him by name. Um, I'll just – for purpose of anonymity, I'll just call him T. Hart.
1: We can – no, it's our colleague. We can identify him. He's a hes a public official. So, yeah, that's our colleague, Tom Watcher in from the Milwaukee Journal
2: Sentinel.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'll give them
2: all the credit. Yeah, if, you,
0: if you ever have the displeasure of listening to them do a radio segment, uh, <laughs> it's quite, quite terrible. Anyway, they have them <laughs> on uh, every once in a while. But anyway, with that being said, um, the thing that really sticks out to me so far about you know losing an MVP from the middle of your lineup with Kesson Hirocon back in particular and stock is if you look up and down our lineup, it's still really formidable, and it's still obviously the strength of our team. Um, outside of Jordan Miles of course Um, but uh, yeah so I feel that the other guys can step up in his absence and then we can continue to score runs and it's going to kind of come down to our pitching whether or not we're going to be able to make it to the postseason I believe yeah uh, overall yeah overall some of the acquisitions that Stearns did make that I know us and a lot of perfect question really seem to be coming through for us. I mean, if you look at Again. Uh, Jordan Lyles, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, Drew Pomeranz has been pretty valuable lefty out of the bullpen, and Ray Black, even, who I wasn't even sure was going to contribute much this year at all, uh, has been pretty awesome in the middle of the bullpen, too. Um, so, yeah, I guess in hindsight, uh, these guys are coming through for us. Well,
2: and if, if you look, too, I mean, obviously, uh, losing a a power left-handed bat like Yelich um, is is going to be devastating in any lineup. But I mean, when you look at ours, I mean, we got guys stepping up now. I mean, Grandel is you know switch here, but he still provides that power from the left side. Moustakas is back now. Um, Eric Thames to a lesser extent, and we have Travis Shaw. Um, <laughs> yep, might uh, he drew a walk today? That's like that's a big deal.
1: <laughs> wouldn't it be amazing if he gets hot over the next uh you know three weeks of the year and he's he's the guy that comes through in september for the brewers after all this that he's been through this season
2: yeah and gets hot in the playoffs like arcia kind of did for could, us last year
1: could you imagine could you imagine it'd be it'd be awesome and at least one way to sort of salvage a, a, what has otherwise been a very lost year for a guy who's been very productive for us the last two years and who i think that we were really counting on going into the season I'm not predicting that, though, by the way, guys. I just want to be clear. I wish I was.
2: I mean, I've probably said all year, there's no way this guy's going to bet $1. fifty all year, and here we are. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> I think we're down to what? <laughs> the 13, 14 games left after today? Get
0: hot. Come on. <laughs> I keep trying to figure out reasons why Travis Ross threw the for his roster, and I've struggled some time again on reasons why he'd By any foreseeable circumstances, still be on a major league roster, let alone a playoff contending roster. So what I've I've come up with is that he's on the roster for the sole purpose of hitting a game-winning walk-off home run at Miller Park in a one-game playoff against the Cubs. So once he does that, the fans will understand the reasons why he's on the roster.
1: Yeah, I'll take that. But, I i mean, in all seriousness, I think the reason why is because he's a long power bat who hit 31 home runs for two years running. I mean, going into this season, you had no reason to expect that he was going to drop as far off the face of the earth as he did. I, I don't think that people were necessarily thinking that, you know, he's going to be a 30-plus home, uh, home run a year guy every single season. But, I mean, he has been for the last two years. Uh, so, that's, that's why he's on a major league roster.
0: Going to so talk – have a segment where we talk about how we should if we can kind of line up our playoff rotation ahead of time so that I'm just kidding um, <laughs> um I don't know we've probably already talked about this like for months but again if we were to make a, a wild card game it looks most likely it would be against the Washington Nationals at this point um who would we even have a starter and I guess the answer is it doesn't really matter um Cause I think it's going to come down to the, the guys in the bullpen, middle the bullpen, Josh Hader will probably get in there as soon as possible and everything. And But with that being said, obviously for our trotters, I would say maybe Brandon Woodruff will be up to speed by then, but it's hard for me to believe that he would be willing, able to throw very many. Well, we'll see, I guess, hopefully he can make a couple of starts prior to the end of the season and hopefully can be effective. Um, you're right he'd be huge. he'd be a huge uh addition to a team at this point
1: yeah i i agree craig i think it's going to be woodruff you know in that scenario that you painted the picture of um yeah i, I think it's got to be woodruff if, if his arm strength is back up to to throw at least you know even four or five innings um given the nature of you know a, a one and out type of Game or that scenario, I think that you are planning on it being a bullpen game. Um, all hands are obviously on deck. So, I don't know. I think Woodruff could do that in that scenario. Hopefully, give you a few, you know, three, four, five quality innings. Um, anything else would be a bonus. Uh, and like you said, probably bring in Hater right away in any sort of trouble. Um, you got to shut teams down right away at that point. So I, I don't know. It could be interesting. I think just because of the way he's pitching now, and I. I would not have said this uh, in April, but even Lyles, I mean, maybe starting that game, I, it's bizarre. I mean, we, our opening day starter is now pitching for the Red Sox. Um, we've got our, you know, best pitcher from a couple of years ago that isn't throwing well at all in Jimmy Nelson. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it would be Chase Anderson, maybe Davies, maybe, uh, maybe Zach Davies. He's going to hit her best, but um, I think it's got to be Woodruff
2: well it should definitely be interesting and i guess you know we do this so often like but we're we're going to do it again because we absolutely have to um right now as it stands as of this taping anyway we're three games behind the cardinals and we're a game behind the cubs for the division but we're hanging out um i guess for the second wild card spot we're still a game behind the cubs as well things get interesting though because like we've talked about on this podcast so so many times um we've got a chance like We thought, hey, this is a team that potentially could get really, really hot in September, and here we're sitting. We won nine of our last ten, and now we got a home series where we play the Padres four times and then Pittsburgh for three games, and then we go on the road for three with the Reds and three with the Rockies. Uh, I mean, those teams are okay, but uh, there's a lot harder schedules out there. And meanwhile, the Cardinals, man, look at what they have coming up. They have three with the Nationals. Then they got four at Wrigley, three at the Diamondbacks, and then three more at home against the Cubs. So the Cubs and Cardinals are going to play each other seven more times in the next two weeks. We got a real chance here, guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And as we saw last September, literally anything can happen with a team that's playing well. Right now, the Brewers are 11-3 and three in uh, September so far on the, uh, on the oh. month. So, um, But yeah, we're 11-3 and three on the month, and uh, 3 0 oh, 1 in series play in September as well. Split that uh, first series of the month against the Astros in a two game set. But other than that, have beaten uh, the Cubs, beaten the Cardinals, and beaten the Marlins um, in the other three series that we've
0: played so far in September. When I think of the last podcast, um, I mentioned, I uh, just threw up there that I think in order for the first sneak sneaking a second wild card, we'd have to go at least 13 7 to finish out the year which means about one loss per series that was left well we went six and one this week which means by my math we'd only have to go six and six close out the season and we played um, all games against teams of losing records um so i think we have a really good chance to go more than six and six And i've the fact that i really think we still need to you know, at this point only we lose maybe four or five teams, I think we'll be in good shape. But if you look at that Cardinals Cubs, the fact that they played seven times against each other, I mean, they're going to be roughly a split most likely, which means, um, and if I had to guess, I would say that the Cardinals will probably win those seven games four to three, just because I feel like they're better here and playing better at this point. But um, so that gives the Cubs four losses just against the Cardinals in the next, a week so this really puts us in a yeah, good position to kind of in my opinion control our own destiny in some ways which that's all you can ask for at this point in the season all we have to do is play well to finish out the season um and in my opinion probably when you know like i said about seven of our remaining games uh seven or eight of our main games have really i think get us in there if nothing else at least into a one game playoff like last season um and I wish. Scott, I, yeah, can you have your interns figure out if we ended up tied for a second wild card, going into the end of the season, just like last year, who would host the one game playoff between us and the Cubs? We would Maybe because you know, we won the yeah. season.
1: We would because we won the season
0: series against them ten to nine by one game. Awesome. Gonna, I will be at that game if it happens.
1: All right, that's a vow. But you know, guys, we shouldn't. You know, obviously, it's mathematically more likely that you know, we'd be in that position for the wild card, but I, I don't think we can discount a couple of things. Number one, because the Cubs and Cardinals play each other so many times and because anything could happen in September, three games is not insurmountable with this many games we'll get to play, even for the division, which would eliminate the need for the one game um, scenario. So I, I don't think we should completely eliminate the, the thought that we could actually win this division. We did pick up a game against the Cardinals in this three-game set, um, you know, because of the schedules being what they are and, I just don't think we can we can limit that as a potential possibility as well. Um, and and as far as the uh, wild card scenario goes, yeah, the Cubs you know they played pretty well this weekend against Pittsburgh, but um, they've been playing fairly poorly overall in September. And um, I say that the Nats have not been playing well recently either. I mean, they they won against Atlanta today um, as we taped this on a Sunday, but um, their bullpen just has so many questions. And I. I to say that going to a lot of Nationals games, I really don't think that they're much more talented than the Brewers. And I don't think that it's a given that the Brewers are going to be the second wild card. I think we could either be the first wild card or we could be uh, even division champions yet.
2: So let me ask this. Um, Craig, by your math before um, that, we had started pretty much at the beginning of this month. Yeah. I think you said, yeah, you said 13 and seven. Basically we have to win every series, no matter what. And that would put us at what would it be? 87 wins. maybe? I don't know. Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But anyway, um, if we finish with 87 wins right now, um, some other websites only predict that we would finish with 87 wins, and there's only a 52% chance that we would make the playoffs. So that is a little tricky and even right now they say there's only a five percent chance that we're going to win this division but i don't care what the numbers say like i actually think that there's a real but those, chance but those
1: percentages always change too i mean each game is you know going to sway those percentages i think that the brewers were at a one percent chance as recently as like a week ago so i mean i i don't put too much stock in that i would love to see what those percentages were at the beginning of september in 2018 that, that's to me you know it would be a very interesting thing to see.
2: Well, if you remember, um, one of our <laughs> colleagues, Tom Hardecourt, said that uh, he tweeted out that there was no way that we were going to win this division after we had lost, uh, I think it was a game with the Cubs or something, and uh, <laughs> that tweet instantly aged, uh, very, very poorly. It was like six days later, and we were, we were right back in the thick of it, and then of course, we came back and won the division, so.
1: Oh yeah, this is this is also a colleague. This is also a colleague that reported that quote, the Brewers were not going to be very active in the off season. The day before, the Brewers acquired Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain in January of 2018. He's also the same uh, the, the same colleague that you know has reported numerous times that the Brewers aren't going to be active at the deadline each year, and then we are active at the deadline. Um, you know, this is this isn't a guy that's necessarily known for his reliable scoops or asking good questions or anything of that of that nature so i just wanted to to point that out as well sometimes thomas and uh, our colleague tom hundred uh, not our anonymous source tom carter uh, has some fuzzy math, so to speak
2: well and he's fairly new at this profession so i mean it, it gave him a little bit i mean i remember when we were um you know when we were still pretty green at this and um we had a lot of reporters that were um Extremely helpful uh, toward us. He was not one of them, but there were plenty of, of you know, them that you know really, really tried to take us under their wing and were very helpful and we're very appreciative. Darren yeah, Sutton was we, very, like, very nice. Fantastic.
1: Yeah, Darren Sutton was nice. Um, yeah, no, don't forget, this is also a guy that literally put into print that uh, Mauricio Dubon would be the first Honduran-born player to ever play in the major leagues, and um, that's quickly refutable by looking at BaseballReference.com. So anyway.
2: <laughs> what can he do? Well, he did promptly block everybody. Dispute.
1: He did. Him. He did. He did. Oh well, it happens.
2: <laughs> and I don't know. So, I, what an exciting game though today. I like. We, we really didn't even go over it, but can you imagine? I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you dream about when you're a kid. You know, um, you're down by one. You're whoop. getting booed by forty, fifty thousand yeah. people. You got a three, bitter rival down one and just absolutely crush.
1: Craig, uh, Craig texted to our, our group text thread, um, you know, right before the big home run. And I think he was right. I didn't want to say it. I was too nervous, but I think you said something, Craig, you said something along the lines of this. Why do I feel like the season rests on this at bat? Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, something along those lines. And yep, uh, it was, it was pretty accurate in my mind as well. And I didn't even want to, I didn't even want to respond, man. I was like, I was too, I don't know, I was too nervous. But um, it was so exciting when Braun hit that home run. And Craig, before you jumped on here, Scott and I were talking a little bit, and uh, we were kind of debating, but who in franchise history has had more iconically big moments than Ryan Braun? I mean, we were talking about Cecil Cooper. He had one huge, huge, very iconic, uh, and rightfully so, franchise moment in 1982 in the ALCS. But who has had as many as Ryan Braun? I think back to the 2008 game against the Cubs. Um, I think back to, um, you know, other games on the stretch that year against the Pirates. I think back to 2011. I think back to, you know, big moments in the clutch. And it seems like Ryan Braun has just come through again and again for this team uh, over the years. And it's kind of cool just because he's done it for so many seasons and he's been a Brewer since 2007. But I I couldn't think of anybody else that has been – Involved in as many clutch moments. Even guys like Molitor and Young, who were here for a lot of years, didn't play on many postseason teams. Each of sure those guys played on uh, two postseason teams for Milwaukee in 81 and 82. And I just, I don't know if I can think of another guy who's come through as many times as Ron Braun has on the stretch for Milwaukee in games that are counted.
0: No, I think he, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the fact that, well, he's the Brewer's all time leader in home runs, he's been with us quite a while, he signed few contract extensions and, um, it's been through a lot of the Brewers and a couple of playoff teams, but, uh, the, I mean, there's a certain guys and you see this at all different levels of sports, um, that just have, I don't want to call it a clutch gene, but there's something about that, that moment of pressure that makes them really come through. They step up their game. And I would say, um, you know, a lot of the all time greats have that, uh, had that instinct, and them, and I, and I believe, um, where they can just rise, rise to the occasion, so to speak. And obviously, Ryan Braun has that. And I think that's, that's a really fortunate thing for the Milwaukee Brewers, franchise and has been. Yeah,
1: my first thought, my first thought was, is this going to be like
0: another bobblehead
1: day? I mean, I, I'm not saying it is, but like the Brewers made a bobblehead of Braun's big home run against the Cubs in 08. And i uh, just thinking if this game, and, you know, again, it's too premature to say, but if this game is, is the game, the game, uh here in september that kind of leads the brewers to you know say that we go on a huge run and end up winning the division or you know at least make the playoffs i mean this game could really be viewed as the turning point game just because you know where we are in the season and the, you know the opponent and the, the lateness of the game and the fact it was a grand slam it's just iconic for so many reasons already and you know, it just happened within the last hour
2: yeah and i know they say i, I don't know who's it's something like luck is what happens when um preparation meets opportunity and all that kind of fun stuff but unfortunately like i mean clutch is sort of the same way and um you know maleter and you unfortunately they weren't a part of too many really really great playoff runs and uh, of course the the two wild card spots definitely help i mean imagine if we would have had those around um you know in the 80s or it would have been absolutely phenomenal it wouldn't have mattered to oh yeah in the 90s right no that's
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Scott. That wasn't a critique of Yontra Molitor. I I was just saying that, you know, as the game is played today, it's just that we're in these uh, types of situations more often. So, um, and that's that's definitely a big part of it, too. But yeah, no, not a a critique of Yontra Molitor at all. and Not actually stating what the value is to the franchise overall, or who's the best player and things of that nature. Just kind of saying it because it seems like it's Ryan Braun again and again in these situations over the years. And, you know, having had him since 2007 up in Milwaukee, it's just he's had an opportunity to do it in a different format than young tomorrow. So it's hard, hard to compare real wild cards.
2: Yeah. And there, there really is no recency bias there either. I mean, it's down. Rodden's been a part of it um, for so long with, um, you know, he's, he's been on some really good teams and he's been able to uh, come through each, each time more often than not. And, and it's just it's gotta be exciting to be on that plane right now, uh, taking the flight back to Milwaukee Uh, Knowing that you just took two out of three from the cards in St. Louis, it's awesome.
0: And I believe uh, Bron was obviously part of our our playoff team in two thousand eight. They got our monkey, our playoff monkey, and our draw for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And then in two thousand eleven, and then of course last year, run to the doorstep of the World Series. I don't yep. believe that any player besides Braun was still on the, uh, was on the team last year that was on either of those, or both of the 2008, 2011 playoff teams. So it just shows Braun's longevity, and this is like a second wave of complete Brewer roster that he's been with um, yeah. that yep. that that made you know been contenders. So um, he's well, obviously a vital plug to that. Yeah, and 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 again, this is post wild card era. in
1: 2008 was obviously a wild card, but um, no other brewer in franchise history has appeared on more than two playoff teams until Ryan Braun uh, in 2018. So Yount, Molitor, Gantner, Simmons, Fingers, all those guys were both on '81 and '82, but um, no other player was there for a third one like Ryan Braun was in 2018. And if the Brewers were to make the postseason this year, uh, uh, you know it would be four. So it's 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 certainly a measure of how valuable he's been to the franchise on some level at least.
0: Yep. The one other thing I guys don't want to point out. We, we at the beginning of this month, uh, things weren't quite as rosy um, and we were looking at the schedule. Like we had a shot, but we had to play really well in month September once again, but we really had uh, kind of earmarked those games against the, the four games set against the Cubs at Miller Park and the three games against St. Louis here um, on the schedule. And, the Brewers end up taking the, both those series five games to two, and they did it with their backs against the wall. They actually lost the first game of the four-game set against the Cubs in Wrigley, and they finished by winning the last three games of the series and win that series. And here in St. Louis, the same thing. They open up with a loss, but once again, that really put their backs to the wall, and they come came through a clutch once again, and end up winning the last two games of the series, and. Taking it, and that's really, I think, they've put themselves in a rare position to be, even though they're a game behind the wild card and a couple of games from the division, to be in the driver's seat, if they can really finish up and beat these teams that they should be beating all with losing records. I, I know there was a stretch prior to the All-Star break where um, they did not do so well when they played poor teams. Um, and I think this is a, a time for redemption for that. And I think they really have to you know, do that. I mean, the Padres are a decent team. Um, the Pirates are pretty awful. I mean, their pitching is bad, and their lineup is pretty bad. I mean, um, this weekend against the Cubs, I feel like they gave up at least 40 runs in three games to the Cubs. It was ridiculous. Um, and so hopefully they have a little bit of that to offer to us next weekend at home. And, uh, yeah, those it's going to be a exciting end of the season. That's all you can ask for is as a Burr fan.
2: Well, and their whole middle of the order is out right now. I only know because I have them in fantasy and I'm really worried now, but, um, Josh Bell is going to be out for at least a few more days. Um, he might be back for that, for that brewer series. It's going to be close. And then, um, Marte, same thing. I, I don't, I don't think he's going to make it, but it'll be close too. Well,
0: hopefully not because, uh, we need to
2: take that <laughs> series big time.
0: Um, but you know, I am definitely excited that I'm hoping to go tomorrow as a game event, hopefully uh somewhere this week. If at all if yeah, we'll see, we'll, we'll see. So um uh, definitely excited. Craig, you gonna meet
1: you gonna meet Scotty and me in Denver for the last series of the year?
0: Um no, I'll have to I'll have to check into that. Uh, we'll we'll see. Like I said, uh if there's a one game playoff at Miller Park, I'll definitely be at that. But if I can get out there at Denver I would do it, but uh we we'll, we shall see.
2: We need All right. maybe maybe on chad will
1: come board. out chad are you on chad didn't know if chad was on or not but yeah maybe he'll come too
2: chad's not here he's watching he's watching a certain team play the denver broncos right now hmm.
0: so. I, he also I, unfortunately he, he likes the bet and he's a gambler i don't think any of us are gamblers but um unfortunately no. i gave him some bad advice and told him to uh take the dolphins against the spread this weekend and I, I think they, they they actually lost by 43 points or something like that so uh, he might not be a, he, pretty, he might be upset with me anyway way that on is uh, spread so. though 43
2: and a half points or more uh it was close it was oh. like 20 points it's <laughs> not bad wait what sport are you guys talking about some other sport people watch football
0: well, did not know people had to to started. Know, yet. Yeah, well, baseball too, but we won't get into that. <laughs> yeah, C- commission, commissioner's office phone down, but that's okay.
1: Um, in any event, so
0: all right. Well, um, what is the guy's prediction on this home stand? Uh, seven, seven games, our last seven games at home, Padres, and then three against Pirates. What was what your prediction? Let's go five and two. I'll say
2: five and two. Kat. i will also say five and two i know we were all
0: pessimistic last week and only said i think we all said five and two and we ended up going six and one last week so we undersold the brewers but
2: uh, i said four and three last week
0: what oh eh. prove, uh, wrong, children. Six and one. prove
2: me wrong
0: we're hot right now i'll go yeah, six and awesome. one why not
1: all right, Craig. Well, love it that you're the optimistic one. That's great. Um, that's great. Well,
2: As hopefully usual. it's the winning home
1: stand, guys. Yep. Let's, <laughs> per usual. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's hope it's the winning home stand, and and we're still in the driver's seat by the time we tape our next podcast uh, next week. Hey, uh, guys. Before we sign off, really quick, I just wanted to ask you guys what your thoughts were on the Brewers uh, announcing they were going to extend the nets uh, down the first and third baselines for next season.
0: Um. I'm totally fine with it. Um, in fact, I, I'm all for it. I mean, I think the safety of the fans, especially some of them who a few small kids, and everyone likes to criticize. People are like, you know, your kid got hit by a foul ball, and now they're severely injured. You should not watch your kid. Uh, I think those people that say that have never had kids uh, because they um, – You can – anything could happen in a split second. I mean, kid eating ice cream or something and not looking at the game or your parents basically just trying to, you know, keep their kids um, from disturbing others. And you're going to take – it's going to distract you from the game for a couple of seconds or whatever. And that's all it takes for a foul ball to come in and injure someone. So, absolutely, then that's – there's no problem with it. And I know people – uh you was being able used to sell tickets at Miller Park, people would always complain I don't want to sit behind a net to, you know blocks my view. Uh hundred percent false. Uh the nets are completely see through for the for the most part and does not really distract from the game at all. I guess the one thing that might uh you know, for kids down the line to be able to catch fall balls, I know that's you know, like chasing them down that might prevent that, maybe a little bit, but I, I think safety's first, so no problem with it.
2: So we kind of got our two minute warning, but I will answer it by saying, you know, even when kids are like deeply engrossed in the game, they could be like, I don't know, taking a selfie to remember it, or they could be looking (laughs) at even more content about the game that they're at on their phone at the time. Like there's a lot of things that can distract people and kids and whatnot. And I remember when I visited Japan, like 15 plus years ago, uh, they already had the netting all the way, all the way down the left and right field line. And I was like, Hey, wow, that's not a bad idea. And so you know we're almost there. So,
1: And, and I, mean, really quick, the I, court- I disagree a, a little bit with you guys. I think, I just think, you know, if you've got kids, you can, you know, choose to sit in a seat maybe that isn't quite in as direct a line of fire or fall balls. And I do think it limits, I you know, I understand the perspective and appreciate it. I do think that and it is easy for me to say not having kids, but I do think that um, it does limit some of the fan interaction, you know, guys getting autographs or, um, you know wanting to talk to players or get pictures before the game i i've seen it at other stadiums where those nets are a real detriment to that and i just have so many good memories of some of those interactions as a kid that i think that um you know we're losing out on some of those interactions and i think that that could be uh, detrimental and uh, maybe harmful to the long-term interests of people you know engaging with the sport so i you know i, I see that there's different opinions on this
0: but um yeah that's anyway. a fair fair point but in, in the age of cell phones now, I mean, people are looking up scores and other things that phone all, all games going on. So it's gonna protect everyone. But yeah, no, I see what you're saying, then.
1: Yeah, and I just think if you wanted to be protected you could sit in a seat that's not necessarily as close to, you know, the first baseline or third baseline or whatever it is. But anyway,
2: this guys, we got twenty shaking. seconds, so follow us at Well on, hey, give uh, us a follow. Bruke Review One on Twitter. <laughs> give us a five star rating, look on Facebook, all that other stuff. Like questions with an St. Louis
1: podcast with yeah, bit of <laughs> Go Brewers.
2: Go Brewers.
1: a lot guys of a